Justin, Sean, Brian, thank y'all very much. Uh, good morning. If you are a student, you are dismissed. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm, I'm very happy to be here and I'm happy that you're here. Um, let me just add to what Tommy said about Wednesday night. We're not going to have a regular Wednesday night Bible study at Shirley in my house. Um, uh, this Wednesday we're going to be meeting at the Calvary Rescue Mission. It's on 3rd Street near Crump, just south of Crump on 3rd. You can't miss it. Um, and and uh, if you want to come down and help us, if you want to bring your kids down to help set up and serve, um, we would love for you to do it. Uh, you can get there 435, 530. We normally eat around 6, I think. I think uh, five th I guess around 545 we eat. I guess that's right. And um, Alan, is that right? Where's Alan? Is it 530? Okay, Michael. And uh, about 530. And so if you want to come a little early and help serve and set up and all that. Um, and then it's over by um, 630. And then so, you know, it's not long. But there will be about 85 men there that uh, Jesus loves very much. And uh he gives us the privilege of going down there and loving on them. If you can't participate in, in being there, but you'd like to help cook some food uh, and give it, uh, then you can talk to that pretty redheaded lady right there on the second to last row, Miss Terry, and she'll uh, tell you all about that, what you can do to help. Okay? Uh, Terry Townsend, I just wanted to publicly say uh, thank you. I'm the, well, Alan. And I are the only two people in this entire church that realize um, how many hours you devote to making sure that our church runs well financially. And um, uh, let me just thank all of you for your giving. The church is doing so well and is so blessed. And I attribute that to the Lord's grace and generosity. But I also attribute it to y'all being sensitive and obedient to, to his leading and um, anyway but somebody's got to manage all that and make sure that we're doing right and going in the right direction and paying bills and paying salaries and taxes and all the things that go along with that and just the ethics uh, every dime you give goes where it gives there's no goes where it's supposed to go and there's no shenanigans there's no funny business there's no uh, Alan and Terry are tighter than Dick's hat band. And so, uh, you know, that is just, they, it's, it's done right. And ultimately, that's the responsibility of Alan and Terry. And Terry has to take the lion's share of that. And I just wanted you to know that I'm very grateful. No kidding. I know, I know it is your pleasure, um, but Lord bless you. Uh, let me see if there was anything else that I was supposed to say to y'all. Uh, no, praise the Lord. I'm through. Okay. All right. If you've got a copy of the scriptures, I wish you would turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read this story to you and um, out of Matthew 18. And you've heard it or read it a zillion times. I've heard it or read it ten zillion times. But because, God, because the Bible is God's word, it's always... Well, no, wait a minute. 
there is the potential for God to always speak a fresh within us. Life within us. Sometimes I miss that, but that's not God's fault, and that's not God's Word's fault. That's my fault. But uh, I read this passage um, this past week in my daily devotions, and something's jumped out at me that I've, I've not seen in 42 years, and I just wanted us to think about it today. And so let me read it to you first of all. Um, I don't, let's see, I'll start in verse 21, I guess. Peter, the, the whole context of, of chap, Matthew chapter 18 is dealing with relational problems. The, the, if you read above Matt, this passage that I'm going to read, and then if you read below this passage that I'm going to read, it's all dealing with people sinning and people wronging each other. And people failing each other. And people being hurt by each other. And that's a part of life. Uh, relationships break down. We disappoint each other. We wrong each other. We hurt each other. Um, um, hello. And uh, 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 that's a part of the deal. That's until we get it. Won't it be nice when we get to heaven? And I will never hurt my wife again. I'll never disappoint you. I'll never fail you. I'll never wrong you. Uh, one of the glorious things about heaven is that we will be operating in a, in a new environment, a kingdom environment where we won't um, treat each other selfishly and, and petty and, uh, and all that. But until we get there, we're living in a... In a a broken world and relationships mess up. And, and Matthew 18 deals with what do you do with all that? How do you relate to each other and respond to each other and treat each other when we wrong each other and fail each other and are hurt by each other, okay? So that's a context. Let me, let me read this passage to you, starting in verse 21 of Matthew 18. Peter asked Jesus, Lord... How many times must I forgive a person who sins against me? Up to seven times. The reason he uses the word seven is because that's what the religious leadership, the religious, the, the, the theologians of, of Jesus' day had taught everybody. Chuck, you can forgive me or you can wrong me and I got to forgive you. If I'm a part of God's kingdom, if I'm a part of God's family, I've got to forgive you. You wrong me a second time, I've got to forgive you. That sixth time, i still got to forgive you. That seventh time. But after the seventh time, I no longer am honor-bound or obligated as a child of God to forgive you. That's what people were taught. Okay? So that's why Peter brought that up. Jesus replies, No. Not seven times, but depending upon your translation, it's a, different, it's a difficult phrase to translate. Either it's translated not seven times, but 77 times, or some of your translations will say seven times 70 times. The, the numbers don't matter. The, the, it was a, the 77 or seven times seven was a way 
in that day of saying infinity, uh, forever. You, you, there is no number. It's the seven is the perfect number. And so uh, it, to, to live a perfect life, you have to always forgive. That's what Jesus is saying there. God's kingdom is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began with a man who owed him, if you take literally the amount of silver and gold that, that Jesus references here by today's value, it was approximately two and a half billion dollars by today's value. Okay, so we're talking about a boatload of money. Millions and millions, literally more, it would have been several billion dollars that he's referring. Again, he's using hyperbole. Here's a, a, a servant of the king. It's probably, a, you know, for him to have that much money involved, this guy would have been a, 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 a significant player in the king's kingdom, uh, a very wealthy man. You can't lose that much money unless you have that much money, right? So anyway, so this would have been a very wealthy man. And he has borrowed this money or been involved in some kind of a business deal with the king. And he owes the king hey, uh, billions. Uh, since he wasn't able to pay, the king ordered the man and his family and all of his possessions to be sold to repay the debt. The man fell before the king begging, please be patient with me and I will pay it all back. Again, don't miss the point. The man owed a debt he could not pay. He, he, and the king knew it. He knew it. Everybody in, the, in the, the throne room area that heard him, he couldn't pay it back. But if you'll just be patient, if you just won't sell me into slavery, if you just won't have me beaten, if you won't sell my wife and my kids and everything that I own, um, I will, I'll find a way to pay you back even though everybody including the king knew that he could not. The king took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now you think about that. Guy you owe two and a half billion dollars to writes it off. Now you think about that. He didn't say I'm going to give you an extension. He didn't even say I'll uh, I'll tell you what do. Cut it in half and pay me half back. He, he didn't say, you need to always feel indebted to me. And every time I see you, I need you to look pitiful and, and, and ashamed and beat down and living in fear that I might call the marker in later on. He just says, it's forgiven. As the man, literally the way the wording is, the man was walking out of the palace. As the man left, he met another servant, a fellow servant, who owed him a few thousand dollars. Four months wages, literally, if you want to be technical. Four months wages. And he, and this, the first man, the first servant, grabbed him and choked him and demanded, you pay me what you owe me. And the second man fell before him. Notice, does it sound familiar? The man fell before him begging, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. The, literally the exact same words. 
But the first man said, no. And he had him put in prison until he paid the debt in full. And when the king's servants, when the other, here's the message, here's what we're going to talk about today for a few minutes. When the, I'm, 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 this is my paraphrase, but it's, it's, it's a good one, okay? Don't get nervous. When the other citizens of the kingdom saw what happened. Now literally it says when the other, when the king's servants saw what happened. But I'm, these are citizens of the kingdom. When the other citizens of the kingdom saw what happened. Listen to what it says. They were deeply disturbed and they went and told the king all about it and the king called for the man the first man the man that wouldn't forgive the second man and said you wicked servant I forgave all of your debt I forgave you two and a half billion dollars why because you asked me to Shouldn't you have given mercy as I gave mercy to you? And then anger. So very, the word there is very strong. The king is furious. In fact, in some of your translations, it'll say furious. He was the, in, in fury. Is literally, you could say it that way. In anger and fury, the king handed the man over to the jailers to be tortured. Till he paid back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will. This is Jesus talking. This is how my heavenly father will treat you. Unless you forgive people. From your heart. I mentioned to you the first Sunday of January. Hi. Um, the first Sunday of January. That one of my new, new year's resolutions for this year is to really work on uh, forgiving people uh, from my heart. Uh, Not just forgiving in principle or uh, uh, in theory or even just in words, but to really sincerely Forgive people that have wronged me and hurt me. Um, That little phrase there, the very last phrase of that passage that I read, unless you forgive people from your heart. I want to learn what that means and what that looks like and how that works. Not just, Chuck, that I forgive you, but you and I still know there's something there. It's just not the same. I want to get to a place where my forgiveness results in whatever the thing was. It's as if it never happened. And we're as strong and good as before it happened. That, I don't, I, and I'm telling you, I don't know what it means to forgive versus to forgive from your heart. But I would like to know, I would like to learn, I would like to operate in that place. Um, 
Because that's what Jesus tells me to do. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive people from your heart. Forgiving people from your heart, that is a priority in my life this year. It's a special area of focus. And the reason it is, is because, well, because clearly it's a struggle for me. And it's a priority for me this year because I am convinced that me learning to forgive from my heart is a really big deal to Jesus. And I was, you know, reading through my Bible this year, and I, a couple, week and a half ago, I guess, I, uh, those of you that are reading with me, we read about Joseph. And it struck me afresh how amazing it was that Joseph forgave his brothers um, after what they had done to him. It really is remarkable. And it struck me even about the ramifications if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers. I want you to think, bless you, I want you to think about that just for a second. What if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers? Ten brothers, or ten brothers, had come in line for grain, and Joseph had done what was normal, regular, and either said, kill him. You tried to kill me, I'm going to kill you back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'll treat you the way you treat me. Or let's just say he'd have said instead, get the heck out of Dodge. Get your fannies back to Palestine. You ain't getting jack. I'm going to give you your lives. And they went back to Palestine and starved to death. I want you to think about the ramifications as it would have affected the kingdom of God. God's plans. Because you know the Messiah didn't come through Joseph. Right? The Messiah, his line, his lineage came through Judah. One of those brothers, the fourth brother in age. What if Joseph had looked his brothers in the face and said, I'm not going to kill you. You just go back home with Jack. And they'd have starved to death. You might say, well, Larry, that's not possible. God wouldn't have allowed the... The, 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 his redemptive plan to be thwarted. I, I agree. I'm just thinking. What? I'm thinking about the impact of Joseph's choice to forgive people that had wronged him as badly as anybody had ever been wronged. The kingdom ramifications of Joseph choosing to forgive and reestablish relationship with his brothers. As Americans, we are so self-focused. We're so consumed with uh, how does it affect me? What's in it for me? What's the benefit for me? So if I talk on forgiveness like any other subject, 
it's so easy for all of us to go, all right, I want to learn to forgive because you're going to convince me it's helpful for me. And I'm not going to stand up here and not declare that forgiveness does help you and it helps me. It, 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 it is a huge benefit when we, to, to our personal lives when we choose to forgive people. Um, it literally, in my opinion, in my belief, and it's, it's a sanctified, wise, right belief, um, that my ability to forgive or not forgive will drive and define my life. You can go to an old folks' home, because I go to one all the time. I go to old folks' homes regularly. Man, you, it's, a, it's just a, it's Walker City. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's, it, uh, anyway, um, you can see before you open the door, you can feel the air in that room. Whether that is a person that has grown old, learning how to forgive well, or a person that has grown old, Who's never learned to forgive well. It is in the air. That bitterness. That anger. That pettiness. That, that meanness. And, the, and the, let me tell you. If you doubt me. Ask the nurses. That work in those places. Who they want to go in and see and help. And who they literally got to. Uh, they fighting over who. No you go. No 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 you go. You're, no no I'm not going in there. I'm telling you. Our ability to forgive well or not will drive and define our lives. It's a big deal for me that I learn to forgive. And it will affect me and benefit me or not. And you too. But I want us to think today, if we can, if it's even possible, to see past ourselves and to see how our choice to forgive people affects so, so much more. It affects all the people around us. It affects God's redemptive purposes and plans that He's trying to do in me and through me and uh, uh, around me. My choice or your choice, Kiki, to forgive people from the heart. It's so much bigger than just you. It's so much bigger than just me. It's not just my pain. It's not just the wrong you did to me. It's not just my offense. It's not just my need for justice. Uh, it, I'm not saying those aren't valid I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying they shouldn't be considered. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that my choice to forgive, Joseph's choice to forgive, it wasn't just about his offense. It wasn't just about the wrong done to him. It wasn't just about his need for justice. There was something so much bigger going on that when he chose to forgive his brothers, 
it, it created ripples, redemptive kingdom ripples throughout the known world of that day and ripples that have continued to this very day. And I, in that passage that I read about the servants, the kingdom citizens, it wasn't just one man choosing not to forgive another man. It bothered the citizens. It, it had a negative impact upon the rest of the kingdom. So much so that they went to the king. Hey, there's a problem in the kingdom. We need you to fix this. This isn't right. There's more at stake when it comes to forgiveness than just my pain and hurt and wrong and need for justice. What is forgiveness? I could give you lots of different definitions, but let me give you mine. My definition of forgiveness is a belief or a value that people and relationships are more important than offenses and justice. Let me say it again. Larry Ray's definition of forgiveness. The the definition that I'm trying to operate by in my life. That which I'm trying to cling to to help me live a life where I'm actually learning to forgive people from the heart. It flows out of a belief that people and relationships are more valuable, more important, more sacred than offenses and justice. Listen to what Micah says. The prophet Micah says in chapter 7, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilty and overlooks the sins of his people? You won't stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. You will again have compassion and throw and you'll trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the sea. And in Isaiah 44, the prophets or God says through the prophet, I, the Lord, made you. And I won't forget to help you. I've swept your sins away like the morning mist. And I've scattered your offenses like the clouds. Return to me. For I've paid the price to set you free. You know what those two verses, and I could have given you 40 more. Those two passages convince me that at God's core, He forgives. It's one of His core values. God just doesn't, it's not something that, forgiveness isn't something that God just does. Forgiveness is something that reflects who God is. And it also seems like a big deal to God that people who have experienced His forgiveness make serious strides to then give forgiveness. 
That passage that I read in Matthew 18, where it says, this is Jesus speaking. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you. Like that, the way the first uh, uh, slave treated the second slave, the way the king treated the first treated the first slave, unless you learn to forgive people from your heart. And then in Matthew 6, Jesus says it this way. If you don't forgive others, then your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Wonder why that's such a big deal to God. Wonder why why that? Why, why is that a bigger deal than other things to God? You don't see that kind of severity, that kind of passion, that kind of God won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. What, what else do you see that on? Where is that kind of intensity, that kind of black and whiteness? Where where? Where else do you see that? I wonder why forgiveness, wonder why forgiving others is such a big deal to God. That you and I learn to forgive. Well, there's all kinds of reasons that we could discuss, but let me tell you the one that I've been thinking about this week. And I'll tell you where, I, where it struck me. I was, again, I'm reading through my Bible. And I hope you are too. And we just read a few days ago Exodus chapter 12. Where God tells the Israelites, I'm going to send a death angel over Egypt. And he's going to kill every living person. I'm so sorry. Every living firstborn person. Unless when he looks down at that house, he sees blood on the door. And if he sees blood on the door, he's going to pass over that house and won't kill the firstborn in that house. But in Exodus 12, as he's explaining that, he goes on to say, let me tell you why. Oh, oh, he says, and every year forever, I want you to celebrate this event, this Passover event, by gathering in your homes and killing a, 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 a lamb and preparing it with other special foods and remembering and celebrating this Passover. Why would God want them to do that? To this very day, Shirley and I have had the privilege of celebrating many, numerous Passovers with Jewish, precious Jewish friends of ours. And they still do it. They still take it very seriously. Why would God want them to do that? He tells you in Exodus 12. He said, I want you to do that because there will be times when your children are sitting there watching, preparing this food, telling these, this story for thousands of years, uh, talking about what each food represents, talking about what God did uh, 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 2,000 years before Jesus was born, uh, um, or, or 1,000 years before Jesus was born, sorry. And... Uh, 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 the, the, your children will be watching and listening and then they'll say, Dad, what's this all about? What are, you, what, what are y'all doing? Why do we do this every year? Why do I have to stop playing? Why do I have to come in from outdoors? Why do I have to stop working on my homework? Why do I have to stop what I'm doing 
and participate in this. And God said, I want you to tell them the story of what I did. One of the purposes of, of God wanting the Israelites to celebrate the Passover every year is because he wanted to give the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and on and on and on to this very day a visual image, a visual picture of God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness. He wanted the children to see it. It's very important. One of the ways that God reveals and explains to people who He is and how He operates and how He relates, He does that at least one significant way through how He asks His people to behave. I want you to behave in certain ways and as you do that, other people will watch you. They will see you do that and that will explain to them who I am and what I'm like and how I feel about them. Um, nothing reveals more clearly or powerfully who God is than the behavior of God's people. They will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says. How? By the love that you show to other people. Not by what you tell them. Not by preaching to them. Not lecturing them. Not sending them to church, although that's a good thing. But they will know that you are my disciples by how you show each other love. Nothing reveals who God is and how God operates and how God feels about us or about everybody more clearly or more powerfully than the picture that is reflected in the behavior of God's people. Now I want to stop. Now I want to talk about my wife for just a second. My wife has a lot of great qualities. Number one, she's pretty. And I love that. Um, but she has a lot of great qualities. But I don't know of a quality that my wife possesses that is more powerful in her life and that is, that, that is more of a blessing to me personally, than my wife's ability to forgive people. My wife is a great forgiver. She doesn't forgive in word, in principle, in theory. She really does forgive from her heart. I've lived with a woman for 38 years, and I've dated her for six before that. So, I mean, I, I know her. And she'll let me kiss her tonight whether I even say all this or not. So it's not, to, you know, is a great, okay? Um, I'm telling you the truth that my wife is a great forgiver. And I'm the beneficiary of that. She has forgiven me 
uh, a billion times and a number of times over things that were incredibly serious and wrong. I don't mean forgetting a cake mix at the store, or, you know, that kind of silliness. I mean serious forgiveness, and she has shown that to me. You know why my wife, she, she gets what I'm, she's sitting on there going, she might even be yawning, because she gets this. She gets this. Sort of like if, if I was sitting out there and somebody was preaching on reading your Bible every day. I get that. I got that. My wife has got forgiveness. She, she understands and grasps and lives out forgiving from your heart. And do you know why? I want you to hear me. You know why my wife gets that? There, I'm sure there are many reasons. But I want to tell you one reason. Because her mom lives forgiveness. My wife grew up in a home watching a lady demonstrate for, I don't know how old you were when your, when your grandfather died, but how I many? How, 20. So for 20 years, my wife watched a lady, her mom, Live out forgiving from her heart in front of Sherry. And when I tell you, I'm not I'd like to meet you if you had more reason to not forgive somebody than my mother-in-law had not to forgive her daddy. I can't think of anything that a child could go through that Sherry's mama didn't go through as a result of her dad. Bad stuff. And uh, she watched her mom practice forgiveness. I'll never forget, we had just started dating. Or, yeah. And she called me up one day, Shirley called me up one day, and she said, hey, we're going down. My grandfather's a, uh, really, really sick. And uh, he, I think he died of lung cancer, I think. And um, uh, he's really, really sick, and my mom thinks he's going to die. And uh, she wants, uh, we're going to go down there and see him. Do you want to go? This was down in Meridian or somewhere. I forgot where it was, down in Mississippi somewhere. And I said, well, you know, wherever Shirley goes, I want to go. So I, I went too. And man, it was a somber drive <laughs> down to wherever it was, Meridian or Decatur, wherever it was. It was somber and quiet. And I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know a lot of the information that I now know. But we went into this, it wasn't really a hospital, it was more of a convalescent home kind of a thing. I'll never forget it. And we, we walked in there and spoke to this man who was laying in the bed almost comatose and um, and then we all left and this brand stayed and, and Shirley went out and she said you need to pray I was a brand new Christian she said you need to be praying for my mama right now because she thinks dad's gonna, her dad's going to die and she just wants to talk to him one more time about the Lord Jesus my wife grew up in, an, in a home in a family Where that kind of forgiveness took place. 
versus growing up in a home where you drive down to on vacation and the trip down to the kids are in the back seat and in the front seat what they're hearing is that old bad lax I hope she rots I'm glad he's sick I hope let's talk for an hour about all the wrongs that were done to me let's talk about all the wounds that were uh, 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 put on me on and on and the kids are listening to all that they're listening to all that versus growing up in a home where my wife is a teenager riding down there and, and listening to her mom and dad talk about her and I heard it too talk about two people that were horrible horrible people horrid people and yet they talked about them they didn't they didn't pretend they didn't deny they didn't respect and dignity but they spoke with respect and dignity they chose their words very carefully and they 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 just they they understood they had worked their butts off their entire Christian lives learning to forgive from the heart. And so Shirley grows up in a home like that. I start dating her and I start being around that. I'm watching. I'm li- anyway, I just, you know, I, I, I was exposed to things, to values, to principles, to ideas that, that I was like, oh my gosh, who lives like that? Who does that? Who, who treats people like that? I'll tell you who. People that are a part of the kingdom of God. People that are a part of God's family. People that have been invaded, their lives have been invaded with the reality of God's love and God's spirit and God's power. Are they perfect? Do they not mess up? Do they, do they struggle at times? Of course. But I'm telling you that my wife has learned to forgive me so well and so powerfully because she, she grew up in a home where she saw it demonstrated. My wife is a great forgiver. Because she saw that forgiveness lived out in the life of her mom. And my wife values people and relationships over offenses and justice because of how her mother taught her to forgive. So my point today is simple. Your children and your grandchildren and your mates and your co-workers and your neighbors have such flawed, vague, misconstrued ideas of who God is. How God feels about them. How God sees them. 
When he's talking to the other two members of the Trinity, when he's talking to the angels about you, your children and grandchildren and friends and, and co-workers, they have in their mind incredibly broken ideas about how God feels about them. How, what does God's love look like and mean? What does God's forgiveness look like and mean? And they're watching you. They're watching me. My daughter, and more importantly, my grandson is watching me. Just like those other servants in the kingdom, the other the citizens of the kingdom. They were watching that man. That, that first servant, who obviously was a big shot. To have lost two and a half billion bucks, that, that's a, he was a big shot. They were watching him. And when he chose not to forgive, it bothered them. It bothered them. So much so that they went and disturbed the king. You need to do something about this. This isn't right. And I wonder how many of our children and grandchildren, our co-workers, our mates, they are bothered. They get up in the morning bothered and they go to bed at night bothered. And they're at school and they're bothered. Because they hear and they see in our lives, we don't forgive. We're trashing people and criticizing people and bringing up past wrongs and we treat them terrible. And our children, our grandchildren, they're, they're watching this. We talk about people. We bring up their past mistakes. We, we disrespect them. We don't treat them the way God wants it. And these are people that God desperately loves. And He desperately wants them to understand his love for them and what forgiveness, what God's forgiveness looks like. Do my words and the way I treat people, do they, do they reveal that people and relationships are more valuable than offenses? You don't teach your children. Who else, who else in your child's life is going to teach forgiveness? Who else in your grandchild's life is going to teach your grandchildren about? You, you think they're going to learn that at school? Or playing lacrosse or football or baseball or, or, or watching CNN or Fox News? Do you think they're going to learn that? Do you think they're going to learn for how to forgive from the heart? From being on the playground? Watching movies? You think Hollywood's going to teach them that? Do you think their video games and their, 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 their music are going to teach them how to forgive from the heart? Who is going to teach our children and our grandchildren what forgiveness means and what forgiveness looks like if we don't do it? How much time and how much money and how much energy do we invest in making sure that our children are well equipped for life. It'd be horrifying to total that up, wouldn't it? And yet we send them into life and we send them into shown them how to do that. Who else is going to show our loved ones how to forgive? One of the wisest people I've ever known told me before I got married to Cheryl Lee, 
He said that a, a great marriage is made up of, great, of, of two great forgivers. I've never forgotten that. A great marriage is made up of two great forgivers. And I would suggest that all great relationships, no matter who the relationship's made up of, great relationships are made up of great forgivers. Who is going to teach the people in your life and in my life, people that God desperately and passionately loves, who's going to teach them how to forgive from the heart so they can experience, let's get back to ourselves, so that we can experience great relationships. The reason relationships fall apart is that people don't know how to forgive. That, that I just, I just want I, that that little phrase there. It, 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 it bothered. It, it bothered those servants. I just wonder if my children, my grandchildren, my friends, does it bother them the way I treat and the way I feel and the way I talk about people in my life? That have wronged me and hurt me. And I'm sure that many of you like me. Are sitting there going. Well Larry you don't realize how hard it is to learn to forgive. I do know. If it was easy everybody on the planet could do it. I don't know about everybody on the planet. But I can tell you that because God Almighty lives in my heart. I can do it. And if God Almighty lives in your heart, you can do it. I, I, I'm just telling you, we can do it. God wouldn't ask us to do something that we can't do. We live in a world where we think that the way to show love and support is to take up other people's offenses. To be angry with them. To be indignant with them. To demand justice with them. We think the way to show love and support is to join people in their offense, their anger, their unforgiveness, their desire for justice and punishment. We think the way to support is to join that. Rather than being the one voice in our little part of the world that says, what about forgiveness? What about valuing people and relationships more than we value offense and justice and being right? What about that? Who's speaking that in our world? Who's speaking that at my dinner table? Who's speaking that as I take my kids from house to school? Who's speaking that at the coffee pot at work? What about forgiveness? Okay. Um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Um, I'm going to ask after they take the Lord's Supper. Michael, 
You and Terry are going to pray. All right. Barbara, where are you? I'm going to get you and I'm going to get Tommy and Patty. And uh, Mick, you and Allison ain't done jack this week for the Lord. So I want y'all to, 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 to spread out a little bit. I, um, I find it very significant that Jesus makes this statement. Remember I said Matthew 18 is all about relational conflict, all about forgiveness, all about wronging each other. And what do you do next? And right smack dab in the middle of Matthew 18, the verse that leads up to the passage about the unforgiving servant, you know what that verse is? And it's, it's like Jesus, it's like somebody put it in there by accident. But the verse that is, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Jesus, you're talking about wrong and sin and wounds and forgiven and all this stuff. And right in the middle of it he says, If two, of, or, two or three of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father. Now let me tell you the story of the unforgiving servant. Could it be that Jesus is saying, I know forgiving people is hard. And you won't be able to do it alone. You better get some brothers and sisters and pray like wild men together for each other. Claim together that, that God will give you the ability to forgive. It's that hard. It's that impossible. Apart from God. That means. And so I'm going to. If, if, you, if you're on good praying ground. And I, if I didn't ask you. That doesn't mean you can't participate. Um, but just be available. And, and some of you that at Larry. I've been trying to forgive. A certain person. For years. And I've, I've just not been able to do it. I've, I've been trying to forgive God for years and I haven't been able to do it. Go to one of these people and say, pray with me. Pray that God will give me the grace to, to really forgive from the heart. Don't leave here the same way you came. Wouldn't it be great to get in your car and to leave all that anger and unforgiveness and crap here at the Botanic Gardens and to go home and weigh 50 pounds lighter because you left that big bucket of anger and unforgiveness here and you, got, and you went home. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? So get somebody in, before you leave and pray with them if, that, if that's your need. Uh, Brandon, would you and August come up here and help me? We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Um, Oh, Ephesians 4 says, Be kind, be merciful, and be forgiving to one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. We're supposed to forgive like God has forgiven us because of Christ Jesus. We eat bread, we drink wine, 
Because we believe that because of Christ Jesus, God has forgiven us. Our faith in what he did on the cross has provided forgiveness with God. And we stand before God good. Love, delighted in because of Christ Jesus. This bread represents his body. The wine represents his blood. And we eat and we drink to declare that we are good with God because of Christ Jesus. If that's your belief, you come, you eat, you drink. Go find somebody and pray with them. Leave all that anger and unforgiveness and bitterness here. 